Welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt. Tim, how you doing today? Good, man. Ready to ready to do another episode. I'm ready to get after it. It was a great week two in football, an absolute kind of a, kind of a ridiculous week in football, to be honest with you. The amount of comebacks and great quarterback performances we saw, and the amount of lackluster running back play is just otherworldly so far. But we're going to dive straight into our week two recap. We'll start right at the beginning of week two. Chargers Chiefs Thursday night football. How do you feel? What about a game. Yeah. Like what a what a great game. Um this is this is one of those games where I I mean I'm trying to think of the best way to summarize it, but Justin Herbert this is the, Justin Herbert feels like he's on the same career arc as Patrick Mahomes, but he's like two years behind him, right? So Yeah, like he his first two years were like Patty didn't have and he's starting to reach that He's that starting to reach while Patty was at his second year. And and like Herbert still quite hasn't learned how to throw like the underneath ball fully because the second half of that game was basically, Hey, you're not going to throw it to Mike Williams anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it immediately became a struggle for the chargers to do anything. So, yeah. um, but overall really, really interesting game. I thought. Yeah, it was. Um, and this is why free agent ads be damned off season draft be damned. This is why we both have the Chiefs sitting as as winning this division. It's games like this. And now I'm not going to bet on the Chiefs winning this game every single time. Patrick Mahomes had a lot of interceptions. Should have been interceptions that were dropped. Um, I think that was the main story that I heard after the game was everyone felt like the Chiefs should have lost this game if the Chargers could have held on to INTs. He would have had four turnovers and they would have lost by two touchdowns. Bottom line is they didn't hold on to the interceptions. Patrick Mahomes didn't have four turnovers and the chiefs didn't lose the game. So um, I feel like everyone was kind of going after Mahomes. They felt like they kind of got away with a win here, but at the end of the day, like a win's a win. Won the prettiest thing. You got a lot of things to clean up, but that's kind of what these early division matches are all about. It's more of a feeling out process than anything, especially when you have a team like the chargers that got so much better in the off season. Yeah, and I, th- I think this Chargers team is still gelling to a slight degree. And obviously, the Chiefs are still doing that, right? Like, you saw Justin Watson have f- two catches for 50 yards in this game and a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're not – that's not going to be, a you know, an everyday thing going forward. You know what I mean? I think I think Scanley and, and Juju will play a bigger role going forward. But it was it was a weird game in a lot of aspects, like – it felt like the Chiefs should have lost it, but just didn't. You know what I mean? They came on at the right time, and it just feels like the more veteran team thing to do of like, hey, we've been here before. We know how to handle these situations where the Chargers are kind of new. Yeah, it's – I mean, that's just – that's it's just how games with Patrick Mahomes are going to go. Like, I get that you're sick of hearing it, especially I, – I feel for him, but at the same time, it frustrates me to a certain degree when – you have all the people that live around us are all the non chiefs fans that live around us that have this ethereal hate for Patrick Mahomes. Cause they feel like they hear about him all the time. They're sick about hearing him. They don't think he's as good as everyone says he is. The bottom line is he is first of all. And it's just like a fact of life. You have to kind of get over at a certain point and just realize, Hey man, this guy's really good at football. And if it's a one score game, that's the quarterback that I want throwing the rock for my team at the end of the day that's just kind of how it is 
as a Lamar fan, I love my quarterback to death. I wouldn't trade him for the world, but I have to go Lamar's entire career now, knowing that he'll never be the best quarterback in the league for more than probably a year or two at a time, you know, like when it's all said and done, he's, he's going to have this kind of Drew Brees esque career when it comes to rankings. Cause I feel like Drew Brees is very underrated all time. Right. But people are like, how can you put him that high on the rankings? He was never the best quarterback in the league. Like, am I going to sit here and look at Drew Brees and be like, you're not good because you played your entire 20 year career. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were also on the field. That's not fair. Well, so, I was about to say, the hard part with Breeze is he was never even really the second best quarterback in his era. But exactly. Yeah. And, I and who Lamar, knows if Lamar's going to be the second best, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Petty Mahomes here. Yeah. So, and the bottom line is that if this guy's on the football field, he's probably going to be the best one out there. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just the kind of the bottom line situation in a close game. He just gets the job done and he got the job done on Thursday night again. I have a couple like thoughts here. Like if that interception on the, like they're on like the two yard line or whatever in the red zone there, if that doesn't happen, I think it's a very different game. Mm-hmm. And I think if Keenan Allen plays, I also feel like it could be a very different game. So yeah, I would agree. And that's, I'm curious to see if it's going to hurt Gerald Everett's playing time at all, because they went to him back to back plays, got him down to what, like the five or six yard line. And he tried to call for a sub. And Brandon Staley was like, no, we're going no huddle. Get your ass back in there. We're trying to run another play. And then ran kind of a lackluster route. The timing was off from, I mean, Herbert expected him to be in a spot. He wasn't there. The ball came out, lands in the seventh round, rookie's hands, goes 99 yards the other way. I mean, that's yeah. that that play did completely flip the momentum. And, yeah, it was a game changer. And it's plays like that that you're like, you've got to, you can't, it just, it can't happen. As, as, as a reliable weapon in an offense, like if they're going no huddle, man, you got to be ready and you got to give everything you got in every route. Cause I think people forget a lot of the times just how much goes into the timing of the thing. Like, well, and, and to be fair, I don't think Justin Herbert probably should have thrown him the ball. Like if he is that gas and they're going no huddle, like you kind of got to understand too, like that guy's going to be beat after a play like that. Like that's not mm-hmm. the throw. That's not the throw to make there. That's fair. Like, I mean, even if you have to look look another way or, like, you know, take one out and try to get the team rested back up or something, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a spot you don't want to risk anything like that. And I just feel like that was – that that's a mistake that's not – not enough of it's being put on Herbert's shoulders because I think it's a little unfair to ask him – to have him make that play. That's fair. And, again, that's another thing about a, a young QB in Justin Herbert is you have to make those – you have to look, realize what's happening in front of you, and know that, hey, he may be two, three yards behind where I think he's going to be at here. And and also knowing that when you're playing against – when you're playing at the NFL level, rhythm and timing isn't always going to be there. Like, I mean, these are the most talented football players in the world. You know, timing – you can have all the timing in the world with your receiver. At the end of the day, it won't pay off every single time because the defenders on the outside are just as good, you know. So, yeah. I mean, you live and you learn. If you're the Chargers, I don't think you could be really be mad. I mean, you can be, but also this is week two, not week 17 division titles on the line, right? This may come back to bite them later in the year, but if nothing else, you're looking to just build from this. I don't think you could go into Arrowhead, lose by three, and be super frustrated about it, right? Like, I think you take solace in the fact we just went into the hardest arena to play, the hardest arena in the NFL, and lost by three to the best quarterback in the league. 
when he kind of had an off night. Like, we should have won this game. That's why we're mad more than anything. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I mean, I think that's a good bow to put on this game, really. I think we've talked about, all about it. Was that, that we it was a hell of a game, though. It was. It was a really good game. All right, Saints versus Bucks here. Um, an interesting outcome to this game. It, it took a while for this game to kind of build any momentum. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. really happened until the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah, I was like, the first half went about is that's what I expected the whole game to be like. Yeah, and I, I thought it was going to be a lot more high-powered. Um, I mean, Jameis Winston came back down to earth, that's for sure. Um, Michael Thomas still looked like a beast. Like, I mean, that team has so many weapons. It just is like – like, this game summed up kind of what we said about the Saints, where you're like, man, this team has so much talent. They could be so good. But it's all on Jameis's shoulders. Like, it all depends on how well Jameis plays. And it is – and you have to right. You have to look at Jameis and be like, you can't throw three picks and expect to win a game, especially not against Tom Brady. But I think some semblance of the blame has to come back onto the offensive line as well. I think they felt the loss of Toronto Armstead because as much as Jameis came back down to earth, I think it was a lot of it was this Bucks defense kind of dragged him back down. Guys like yeah. Shaq Barrett, Devin White. I mean, Jameis was sacked six times in this game. I think it kind of starts to, obviously it takes a toll on you after a while and it's hard to play a clean game. If you're going to have that many grass stains on your Jersey by the end of it. And so like, yes, Jameis did not play a clean game. I don't think it was fully on his shoulders. I don't think the game plan was great to start with either. And not having Alvin Kamara was a huge hurt as well. Um, so there's multiple things that kind of worked against the saints. Tom Brady picks up his first win against uh Against the Saints in a Bucks jersey, um, I mean, they still didn't look special, honestly. No, like, they, and again, I mean, we talk about it week in, week out, especially the first four or five weeks of the year. It's the Tom Brady thing. Um, yeah, I think more people are reading more into it this year and thinking that it's not that that it's off the field issues. He's having issues with his wife and his marriage, and he has Wednesdays off now. Yada 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 everybody's kind of reading into that situation. Whereas especially, you know, better than I do. And you know, better than most other people we both do that. This is kind of the, it's a Tom Brady thing. Starts yeah. slow, get hot towards the end. You get hot going into the postseason. The The fact that they're two and out of this point is honestly just like, they haven't looked great, but coming out of this two and out is the best that you can really hope for. Obviously. Right. Like you want to win every game, mm-hmm. um, but no, they'll pick it up. End of the year, this team will be looking sharp, ready to go. I mean, um, I feel bad, but they, they can't keep uh, – oh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Their second wide receiver who's hurt. Um, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. There it is. Yeah, hit at the same time. Uh, Chris Godwin can't stay healthy. I mean, they struggle. They're like – they're their wide receivers are just hurt right now. Um, so, they're – it'll take a little bit. They'll get going later in the year. You know, no Rob Gronkowski this year, so no no old, you know, old reliable there for Tom. So, I think I think as the year goes on, this team will get better and better. And I think the Saints, we're going to see a lot of these ups and downs, right? Like a lot of these moments where you go, wow, this could be the best team out there. And then you're going to be like, okay, wow, that stunk. That was just bad, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the Bucks do have to kind of kick it into high gear. They don't have an easy two games coming up. They Luckily, they are they have a three-game homestand coming up after starting two games on the road. But they, they have the Packers and the Chiefs come to town the next two weeks. So... 
I think a lot of the the honus is going to be put on the defense the next two weeks to try to hold these these two high powered offenses out of the end zone. I think that's where the Bucks are going to look to next, and they did a good job of doing it against Jameis and the Saints, but they got Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are going to be in Tampa the next two weeks, and Marcus yeah. Mariota. Those three guys are obviously in the same category, but <laughs> <laughs> they, they've they've got some tests coming up in Tampa for Ooh, sure. Watch out for Mariota, man. That could be could be dangerous here. Yep. So. Um, next game, uh, Ravens Dolphins. Uh, yeah, this is this. You want to talk about an up and down game as well? Yeah, let's get uh, the depression out of the way here. <laughs> Ravens start out this game on fire, like they they could not lose. Like they start is- how they've started the last like four or five games they played against Miami. Like that's I knew. Like the first half was like, yep. I was like, this is how. I just I don't know what it is about the Dolphins. This is just how Baltimore has played against them in recent history. Like the I think three of the last four matches have been like 30 point wins in Baltimore's favor. So the first yeah. half I was like, all right, well, here we go. We got another one. 28-7 at half. Bring it on. And then 28 points allowed in the fourth quarter. Defense collapses, miscommunications galore. And it was bad. It yeah, was, Baltimore I mean, ends up losing this game. I mean, the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from this game is don't buy too much to a stock right now, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, this feels like, and I know this is not a one-to-one comparison, but this feels like Tim Tebow slightly where like Tebow would come back in a game. You go, wow, how did he do that? He turned it on in the fourth quarter. Like everything started to click. And it's like, don't think you can't do that on a consistent basis, especially in the NFL, right? Like, no, definitely not. If Baltimore's a little bit more healthy, I don't know if they make that comeback, right? Yeah, like, I don't I don't want to take away anything that, that Tua did because regard you know, Baltimore's banged up, yes. You can make all the excuses in the world for the Ravens, but at the end of the day, they're a well coached team and they're a damn well coached defense. And the bottom line is Tua Tungamailoa threw six touchdowns against a well coached defense. Yeah. So you have to buy some stock there. On the other side of things, we see this a lot. This is not a sustainable way to win games easily. It's definitely nowhere near a sustainable way to win games. But also, I think another big thing, obviously, you know, Jalen Waddle is as talented as all get out. The other thing is, is I feel like if the success continues for Tua, I I can't buy, I can't go all in on the stock. Even if he goes out, plays great the rest of the year, Career numbers, which isn't hard to do for what his career's been so far. I'm talking like a a top 10 quarterback-like season. Even a top five quarterback-like season from this guy this year. I can't sit here and buy a ton of stock because you have – I don't know how it's happened so much in the last three to four years, but for some reason, anytime one of these quarterbacks is needed to take a step where he has a good year or like you're really waiting, you're like, all right, this is the year this guy's kind of got to take a step. Somehow every offseason we say that this, that said team will go out and add a top 10 receiver to this team. We saw Stephon Diggs land at Buffalo. We've now known like it wasn't Stephon Diggs wasn't the year two jump for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's just that effing good, right? right. We saw D hop land in Arizona. We know that Kyler Murray, D-Hop probably attributed to a lot of that, but Kyler Murray's a lot better. Like, you can't say that D-Hop was the reason for the jump, right? And now we're seeing Tyreek Hill land here, and we've got to – where's the middle ground? Because I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say Tyreek Hill is the only reason that Tua has taken this leap so far, but you can't sit here and tell me that it's not a massive part of the reason either. 
Well, I mean, and the other thing to be said, we kind of talked about this with the Bucks. We're two weeks into the season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's not forget the Carolina Panthers started off, I think, four and out last year, and then yeah. the Cardinals started eight and zero. Eight and zero, right? Like these teams have plenty of time to fall apart. So don't don't put too much investment. You know what I mean? Into you know two into weeks, two weeks of four football. weeks, six weeks of football. Like, let's get a good chunk of the way in and see if this success is sustainable. Um, I mean, the, the, there's no denying that they have a lot of offensive weapons, right? Like, this team can be very, very good, and and it's on Tua's shoulders, right? Like, is going to have to have games like this consistently to compete in that division. So, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm more disappointed in Baltimore at this. Like, we have seen this team, you know, somewhat struggle in fourth-quarter comebacks, Um to kind of blow a lead like this is a little concerning. It's a rarity. Um, it's it is. It's it's definitely it's something you, we're not used to seeing, right? Like that has to be a factor of like this isn't the normal. This isn't the norm for them, but at the same time, it's just the lack of weapons that this offense has is the thing that scares me the most, right? Like I don't know if Rashad Bateman's always going to be able to go for the big breakout plays, right? Like he had he obviously has that ability. Is Rashad Bateman going to be like Tyreek Hill where it's sustainable or is he going to be like Kadarius Tony where he pops up for a game or two and then disappears right yeah like, I mean the bottom line like he looked good in this game he did the issue with the issue that you could poke holes in Bateman is he had 108 receiving yards and 75 of them came on one play yeah and you're like all right and then it was Mark Andrews is second leading receiver obviously and then it was Isaiah Likely who's a, a third string tight end and you're like okay like uh where's uh where's the rest of this offense at this point so. Right, and that's not something you want. You don't want to bank on that. You, that can't be the plan going forward. Of like, hey, this is how we're going to function as an offense. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think, and it wasn't like the biggest thing that burned me, but like a thing yeah. that did burn me about this game a lot is that for some reason, Pro Football Focus. Again, we talk about these guys all the time. Like either they're all the way up, and you're like, wow, this this is great. This couldn't be any more perfect. Or you're like, what the fuck are these guys even talking about? Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, Lamar Jackson got a 66 grade in this game. And you're like, I don't understand how. Don't really understand what Lamar could have done any better. I mean, 318 on through the air, three touchdowns, another 119, another 120 on the ground, another touchdown. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what? I don't understand what Lamar could have done any better in this game, to be honest. But. Yeah, like this, uh, if anything, I felt like this game was too Lamar reliant, right? Like he had to carry yeah. the ball. He had to throw the ball. Like he had to do everything perfect. Otherwise, this game wasn't going to work out. And, and again, like people, like you sit there and you're like this off. First of all, Baltimore's had one of the worst run offenses in the league so far this year. There was a chart that I saw on Twitter yesterday. It was like, the, you know, the, the advanced metric chart. And it was like most efficient pass offenses was uh, running up the side of the chart, like bottom to top and then most efficient run offense was running left to right. And there was two teams in the top left corner who had really, really, really effective and efficient pass offenses, but really horribly efficient run offenses. And there were Buffalo and Baltimore, which are two teams that you don't really, when you're like, what's the offensive identity? They don't fall together. Most of the time, you don't look at those two offenses like, yeah, they run the same. Like that's the same playbook scheme. Not at all. 
Um, Baltimore's got to get JK and, and Edwards, Gus Edwards back healthy at this point. Cause right now the run game hasn't been great. And you look at this and you're like, ah, oh, they're relying on Lamar too much. Again, same thing with Bateman. Lamar had 119 on the ground. 79 of it came on one play, a one right. play touchdown that he took all the way to the house. You take that off the top. He had 40 rushing yards on eight carries. So even Lamar on the ground outside of the breakaway play, Hasn't been super dynamic, at least yardage-wise. He hasn't been getting the 15, 10, 15 a carry that you're kind of used to seeing out of him. So yeah. the the Baltimore offense has some things to work on. But again, it's week two. They have a lot of time to work on these things. And they've got time to get healthy. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I like, as much as it stings to sit here and watch JK and Gus and Marcus and all these guys get slowly worked back in, I think it kind of leaves them for them to get hot around week eight or week nine when those guys are fully back in the swing of things. They're fully back healthy. They didn't rush anybody back. Like, I would much rather have J.K. Dobbins from week six through the playoffs than have them back for this game. We beat the Dolphins, but then he goes back down in week five and he's day-to-day, week-to-week for the rest of the year. Like, that's – I'd rather take the out of the Dolphins and get a healthy J.K. Dobbins back, even if I have to week till week six against the Giants, you know? But they have the Patriots coming up, and then they play the Bills and the Bengals. So it's uh, it doesn't really get any easier for Baltimore going forward either. But yeah. All right, next game we got. This can kind of be a quick hitter for us here. Um, this was more of a personal uh, one for me. Uh, we got the Jags versus the Colts here. Uh, 24 to nothing. Um, yeah. Not to say I told you so, but I told you so. Um, Matt Ryan looked awful in this game um Mm. i think if this year keeps trending this way for the colts um i think i think this could be frank wright's last year which is crazy to say right like we normally regard frank wright as a a very highly regarded coach but pretty solid guy yeah yeah this might be his last year in indianapolis with the way this season's going um jonathan taylor just could not get anything going um matt ryan is struggling to connect with any of these guys it just doesn't seem like anyone's really fitting that role on the other hand though i mean the jags man they're getting the most out of everybody that's the one thing i'll say that excited me about this um trevor lawrence looked good um you know james they got james robinson going again which we begged last year we're like please just feed the rock to james robinson that's happening again travis Etienne is getting a little bit involved you know their top wide receiver in christian kirk clearly a number one option um he honestly has looked better than I thought he would so far this year. Um, yeah, the one of the stories I just read on the Jags page was like, Christian Kirk's earning his money so far. And I'm like, I wouldn't go that far. But he looks good. He looks – I mean, we're two weeks in, but he, he has looked better than I, I thought he was going to look. Um, so, yeah. Evan Ingram also having a big game. He seems like he might be a really good safety blanket for Trevor Lawrence. Which um, is so bizarre to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> with drops is all of a sudden going to be a secure catch guy, which is just nuts. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's shaping out that way. And then there's just so much speed and talent around the rest of this offense. Um, I I really like it. I I really do. Um, I don't think they'll get the lucky as lucky of getting the one fumble recovered. Um, Fumbles aren't like a sustainable stat, right? Like you can't plan on getting so many, but um, man, and that defense is playing good. Like Doug Marone has got this team looking like we kind of thought they'd look last year. And Doug I'm Peterson. For it. What did I say, Doug Marone? Doug Marone, yeah. God damn it. No, Doug Peterson, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, 
so I I have to give you know credit where credit's due. The Jags played great. They took advantage of what the Colts did. Trevor Lawrence looked clean. The game plan was there. Like this just looks like a team that's going out, playing within its means, and and just winning football games. That's what the Jacksonville Jaguars did in this week. The yeah. thing that I can say about the Colts, I'm not going to panic yet because I agree. Matt Ryan did not look good. I think the key right now for Indianapolis, they can take this team from the 0-1-1 start they've had to tying with the Texans and losing to the Jags, getting shut out by the Jags, 100% the offensive line. Because yeah. when you when your quarterback ends up on his back five times and you can't get the best running back in the game running on the ground, you kind of point to one thing. Now, granted, I don't know if I would abandon the run game as fast as nine carries from Jonathan Taylor, especially when he's averaging six a carry. Um, I mean, he had 21 of those 54 on one carry. I don't know if I'd really abandoned the run game as quick as they did as a, as a whole, I could definitely poke the offensive line has been not only subpar, just flat out disappointing so far. Uh, They can't keep Matt Ryan upright. They can't clear a, a lane for Jonathan Taylor to get through. If they can get this offensive line churning and at least back to a top 15, top 10 status, let alone the a top three offensive line in the game like they should be, I think this offense could really turn it around. But again, if the offensive line completely fixes itself next week, we still have unanswered questions about Matt Ryan because we haven't seen him elevate this offense, which I can I can give him the caveat of like, okay, well, it's because the offensive line hasn't played great. All right, well, now the O-line's playing great. Answer the first question now. Can you elevate? Right. So their best case scenario still isn't great, but I'm not going to panic yet because they've got to, they've just, they've got to get the offensive line going. And I think defensively you got to play better football than, than 24 points. I don't think you can really let Trevor Lawrence and the Jags put 24 on you and expect to win a lot of other games along the way. Right. Yeah. This is going to be an easier game. Like the Colts really have a tough little go here coming up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they go Chiefs, I mean, Titans, Broncos, Jags again. Like, they go back-to-back against the Jags. So, I mean, their schedule does lighten up kind of towards – I mean, not really. It's kind of peppered throughout. But Yeah, it's peppered throughout, which is sometimes worse because you feel like yeah. you just – you tied to the Texans. So, you're like, well, shit, that's all right. That should have been a win. I don't right. want to tie anything. Definitely not a division rival. Definitely not the Texans when I'm supposed to be – a Super Bowl contender, not only a division champ, you lo- you get blanked by the Jags, and now you have the toughest game of your three game stretch here against the Chiefs. You like get, you get a little bit of a reprieve against the Titans, hopefully, but then like the Broncos are still kind of a a fifty fifty. We're not really sure what we're getting yet, and then you play the Jags again, and you're like, yeah. all right, it's just it's it's the Chiefs, Broncos, and then three division games. So like if they lose two or three of these games, they're going to be in a world to hurt, especially if they lose to the Titans and the Jags. Once again, if they drop two more division games here, like they're going to be hard pressed to, to be a top four seed. This, this is a team that we, we thought this division was going to be close, right? No matter what, it was going to be mm-hmm. tight. I mean, yeah. you can't, you just can't give up those free, those free games, right? Like you're going to have to make, you were going to have to win a game. You shouldn't win anyways. Now you're really going to have to lock them all in. Like you have to really get ready. So yeah, I think you just, you've got to get it going if you're the Colts. And I think it starts up front for them on both sides of the football, to be honest, you got to get the big guys going. All right. 
next game we got is the Cardinals versus the Raiders here. Um, what an interesting game this one was. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it for sure. I we we I feel like we've said every game has been interesting, but it, it really has been. That's how kinda, week two was. It was the yeah. the world of comebacks and what the hell just happened games. Yeah, I mean, if there was any doubt about how special Kyler Murray is, I I just don't see it. You know, he's clearly a top ten quarterback, right? Like he just yeah. does talent wise. That question too. has been evaporated easily. Yeah. Now the success aspect, like, is it sustainable? Can he actually have success with it is a whole nother thing. But man, that two point conversion, it has to go down in history as like one of the greatest plays that are one of the most special plays we've seen a quarterback make. I mean, to just avoid spin, take up time, move around the field. I think the play took a total of 20 seconds to convert a two point conversion. Yeah, like it was behind the line of scrimmage for 19 and a half of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no defense is going to be able to sustain any kind of success against something like that. So, um, he's very special. We, uh, I mean, we just need to see, you know, what this team looks like going forward. They started off super slow, and they started off the first half of this game super slow, and then they caught fire. Mm-hmm. So, I want to see if, if that's going to be sustainable for them. Um the Raiders have been disappointing, I would say, so far. Um, Easily. It's it's not been kind of what we expected to be. And more on the passing side of the game than anything else, really. Like, I just – we thought this team was going to come out and be different with, you know, Devontae Adams was going to be that missing piece. And he really hasn't elevated this passing game to another level like we kind of thought we would. Yeah, I mean, he had a great week one, but – a pass rush plague Derek Carr didn't play a clean game. They go alone one. And then out here, I mean, Devontae has two catches for 12 yards and a touchdown. Not what you want out of the best receiver in the game. Yeah. Mac Hollins was their leading receiver. Who? Um, the thing that's super disappointing to me, I think, so far, is the thing that I was probably the most excited for when it came to this Raiders team is the pass rush. They've logged one sack through two weeks. Granted, yeah. it's been Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. Somehow Kyler Murray is the guy that they got on the ground once. But when I saw Chandler Jones sign the dotted line, I was like, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby is dangerous. That is a dangerous, just about as dangerous of a duo as Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa is. Not as dangerous, but like it was up there. Chandler Jones has always been extremely underrated. Max Crosby's coming off a career year. I'm like, this is going to be the key right here. Now they yeah. can play front seven football get after the quarterback and allow your secondary to succeed instead of vice versa. Last year, the secondary kind of had to hold up, let Max Crosby do the job and he got it done. Most of the time this year, the reverse is supposed to be flipped. They're going to get after the quarterback cause the rest and the secondary is going to take advantage. They haven't been able to do so, so far. And I think that two point conversion is the hundred percent pinnacle like example that you could point to. I get that it's Kyler Murray. I understand that he's not an easy guy to get on the ground. But when your pass rush is supposed to be this dynamic, man, it's a play like that. You're like, that's why we can't win football games. That's why we're 0-2 right there. If we can't get a guy down behind the line of scrimmage after 10, 5 seconds, let alone 10, let alone 15 or 20, you're it's just you're not going to sustain a lot of success. Your secondary can only hold up for so long. I feel like a lot of that play was Kyler Murray just being different, to be fair. Extremely special, 100%. Like, yeah. I don't know if I is, that on Raiders defense, but... I look at that play and it's like, I get why this is happening, right? And this isn't the reason why, but it's it's 
this is it. I mean, we can't get a guy on the ground. And I know it's because it's Kyler Murray and he's being extremely special behind the line of scrimmage right now. He's making plays that probably only him and maybe two other guys in the league can make right now. Yeah. But we've got to get some pressure back here. I mean, it took five or six seconds before the interior of the line collapsed the pocket, and then he got to stand still for another 10 seconds. And then he took off to the left. So uh, the pass rush has been the the more disappointing part to me so far. Again, I don't think Devontae Adams can't go missing in this game is another. I would agree. The passing yeah. game, it's those been, are the it, two things for me. You can't get a guy on the ground, which, again, Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray. He's harder to get on the ground than most, right? But they, they didn't put a grass stain on, on Justin Herbert. Didn't get a sack in week one. And and Devontae disappears from this game, and it cost him. Both of those things cost him, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you, you say in theory, you know, you add Josh McDaniels, you add Devontae Adams in. Like, this is going to elevate the game. And it, and it might take time. It just might take a little bit of, uh, of time to kind of see this marinade and fully develop. But... Yeah, it, it's been disappointing to say the least. But moving on to our next game here, we got the Vikings versus the Eagles. Yeah. What a a, a not great game that we thought was going to be a great game. Um, yeah, I, I thought this matchup on paper, you're like, man, this sounds like it could be a tight matchup. You know, the Vikings, you know, people, there's a lot of belief in them right now that they could be better than the Packers and all this stuff. And, Boy, they came out and laid an egg. Like prime time, Kirk Cousins came right back out. I think he's now two and thirty-seven in prime time games in his career, which is absolutely insane. Um, I don't know what you can really point to here, other than Jalen Hurts had himself a day. Um, he did. There's just you're just watching him, and he's so calm and collected. And again, remember I was talking about the year two jump. We were like, all right, Jalen Hurts had a really great year at a career year. What's the next step forward? Enter A.J. Brown. Here we are again. Um, yeah. But he was making throws. Just He's just – he played a clean game. I mean, there's not more you could say about it. Three-step drop. Out route comes over the – or in route comes over the middle, right in the middle of the two linebackers in the zone. Fits the ball right where it needs to go. Not an inch to the left, not an inch to the right. Completion, first down Eagles. And that was – I mean, that was the first half, just surgical. They sat yeah. back in a zone. The The Vikings ran zone coverage for a majority of the first half, and I swear to God, you squint and change the jersey number, and I thought I'd, I was looking at Tom Brady. He, not he, not a bunch of ch- – it's just they yeah. ran zone coverage, and he took advantage of it. He found the gaps where he needed to throw the ball. He put the ball there, and, and that was that. The other thing I'll say, too, is I felt like he ran really smart in this game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like he was trying to force the special play, but when there was nothing there – he then took it and ran, right? Like it yeah. didn't feel like he needed to come out and, and be, you know, feel like the game had to be on his back. Kind of like Lamar did in the, in his game where Jalen was able to pick his spots where he needed to run. He can make that throw. I can make this throw. You know what I mean? Uh, I thought this was, this was a game that really, really impressed me. Um, yeah, I agree. If you thought the Eagles defense wasn't very good, man, I, I don't know what, what you're on. Uh, I've got a little, little Darius Slay stat here for you. Um, on Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson had five targets, one reception, and Darius Slay had two interceptions on him. Like yep. that is he had more catches than Justin Jefferson did in coverage. Yeah, that's uh that's a rough, that's brutal for him. Um, now obviously that's not all Justin Jefferson's fault, right? Like Kirk Cousins played just 
horrible, horrible football. It was it was a little bit on both because I think Darius Slay kind of figured out the like was just reading Justin Jefferson's breaks like a book, and Jefferson didn't adjust. But also, yes, Kirk Cousins played horrible to boot. Yeah. So it's it, it it is there's a little bit on Jefferson, but yeah, more on Kirk for sure. Um, I thought Jalen Rager was maybe going to have his big revenge game here. Uh, a little disappointed by the outcome for him. Uh, you know, I mean, he had a nice little seventeen yard end around. That was pretty. Yeah. That was, I was like, okay. I was like, all right, get a little electric here. Yeah, but thought he, maybe this is the game he was going to say, "Hey, I'm going to prove to my old team that I am special. I am that difference maker." But boy, was I disappointed with that outcome. I mean, in all seriousness, though, like obviously we're joking about that. This was disappointing in a lot of ways for the Vikings. Like the Vikings, it, to me, have no way of like I can't have any confidence in them playing on Sunday night, Monday night, or Thursday night football, or in any kind of big game. Right? Like if they're yeah, gonna have a like, tough match, yeah, it's not gonna. You're go like well I just them. I just can't trust the Vikings in prime time. You're like, hey, guess what happens in the playoffs when there's only six games? You're in prime everything's time. prime time. Like and it's. Especially come championship weekend, if somehow the Vikings make it all the way to the NFC title game. Guess what, man? There's two games on today. You're in primetime. There is more people watching this game than any game that you've had up until this point in the year. And even if yeah. you survive that, guess what happens Super Bowl weekend, man? You want to talk about prime fucking time. There is no bigger primetime. Yeah, it was. So it it's was just, tough. yeah, it's one of those things. And Kirk Cousins is the fear for every young quarterback at this point. And when I say that, I mean, when you look at guys like Tua and Mac Jones are the two guys that come to my head immediately. And it's like, Tua's not bad. Mac Jones is bad. Mac Jones had the best rookie year out of any quarterback last year. Tua's looked better this year. But the thing is, is man, it's gotta be perfect. And I don't know what else the, the Vikings could add at this point for this game. Like, for it to be easier for Kirk Cousins. He has Justin yeah. Jefferson. He has Adam Thielen. He has Irv Smith Jr. He has Jordan Rager. He has Dalvin Cook. He has Alexander Madison. He has a decent offensive line. He has a good defense. You're like, and it, and it not only was it not enough, it wasn't even close. You're like, we're, we're years apart from where the Eagles are at right now. He also got the offensive head coach. So yeah. Uh, it, it and was, a guy he's used to working with. Yeah. Yeah, somebody somebody who he wanted to probably be in that head coaching spot when they fired. Um, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking on names. Kevin, is it Kevin? Who'd they fire? No, uh, it's a uh, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. There we go. Yeah, yeah. They brought in his QB coach from Washington, and he's now the head coach after he spent some yeah. time in LA with the Rams. It, it was it was just disappointing all around. Um, yeah, Darius Slay played great, and I think honestly, like the Eagles might be the most talented roster in the league at this point. Oh, I, I think there's a, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue, man. I mean, they, they they added the right pieces around the right team, and it just is. It's all coming together for them. Um, I don't know what box they don't check. To be fully honest with you, at this point, I want to like, I want to see them get behind in the game. Is really what I want to see. I want to see them yeah. get down and make a big comeback, and then I'll have confidence. But I mean, this is, I mean, Jalen Hurts is, I, I don't want to call it too soon, but he might be an MVP candidate. Like I wouldn't fully sleep on him. I'm not saying he's a front runner right now, but I'm saying he might be, he might be in that category. He might be in that, that conversation finally. 
I mean, that's exactly so. like he was. I think I drafted him in like four or five fantasy leagues. I think it was at least three, if not four. And that's exactly why is because like he's just. He had a good year. He had a career year last year. They add AJ Brown. The scheme gets better. He won't be on the field as much because, or like the defense is going to give him opportunities. Like he has the brewings of to have a great year. He has everything he could possibly need. And and like I said, I don't. There's I don't think there's really a hole you could poke at the Seagulls roster. They don't have a superstar running back, but they have four twos, which will work in the running game in today's NFL, especially when you're schemed as well as they are. They had, he has two great receivers. He has a speedster behind him in Quez Watkins. He has Dallas Goddard at tight end. He has one of the better lines in the league. They have a great defense with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jordan Davis in the front seven. They added Hassan Reddick. They drafted Nicobe Dean. They brought in Chauncey Jar- Garner Johnson for a fifth. They added James Bradbury next to, J- to Darius Slay in the cornerback room. You're like, this team just has it all, which makes me think that they're going to have a first round exit in the playoffs because that's just how it goes with these younger teams. But it's going to be a very, very exciting regular season for these guys. I'll tell you that much. I, I hope they keep it up. I really do. I think, uh, I think they're a, a fun football team to watch when they're on. For it sure. is. On both sides of the ball. Part of me wishes we got to see, like, the Eagles and the Bills play each other because I think that would just be an insane, be such a good like, game. super exciting matchup. I think the closest we get is the Cardinals. But yeah, I was like, I'm telling you, I'm looking at this schedule, man, and this team might start the year like nine and, like nine and one. Pretty pretty hot, yeah. They they have some pretty easy games, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited. And and I was on their bandwagon last year. I'll just say yeah, that out you loud. were you were on it before it started. You were before, you put the fucking wheels on. Yeah, before it was cool to be a Eagles bandwagoner, I was one. So I'm just That's gonna true. say that he was. I I was here for that. It happened. He only he cooled for about two or three weeks, and then he was like, "No, nah, fucking, I'm on. I'm back on. Rode it the rest of the year. Yeah, they ended up making the playoffs last year, but." It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Pump the Brakes. Are you ready, Owen? Let's get after it. First one, I'm just going to dive right in. First one, Giants could be a wild card team this year. Man. This is this is a tough one, um, which is so asinine. If you asked me this three weeks ago, I'm like, ooh, what are you – do I need to check into a mental hospital or right. did your prescription run out? I'm confused on what's going on here. Um, Let's. Do you want me? To, you you want me to give you a little run through here? Just some food for thought. Yeah, bring it on. Okay. Next week they play the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Then they mm-hmm. go to the Bears. They have the Packers, Ravens, tough little stretch there. Jaguars. But after that they go Seahawks, Texans, Lions, Cowboys, Commanders, um, and then it toughens back up again. Like this team could easily somehow squeeze like a nine one season out here. And in the NFC, that might be good enough to be the last team in. Like, yeah, it's I not. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy here, right? Like, you beat the Cowboys, you beat the Bears, you're four and zero. Like, you got to win five more somehow the rest of the season. I'm I'm gonna pump the brakes more for the competition because I do feel like I feel like the Lions have kind of looked a little bit better. We were high on the Lions, and I feel like they've looked a little bit better than we expected. Um, yeah. Even at one and one, they almost pulled the comeback off week one. Amon Ross St. Brown looks great. So like the Lions look good. The Vikings, I think, will figure it out. The Packers will probably still be in the playoffs, whether they're a division champ or a wild card team. I feel like there's a couple too many teams for the Giants to make it, but that's it's not a crazy take at this point, which is nuts to say. Yeah, I don't um, think anyone saw this coming really, too. Like I, I think they, no, they could be all. on that, that edge there. Let me 
I want to I want to talk a little bit more about them while we're on this subject here. Uh, this mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a curveball. Let's say they sneak into the playoffs or just miss it, right? What do you do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley? Oh, God, I was worried you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> what is, I don't what is know, the answer man. there? It all I, kind of depends on how he looks. Because, I mean, if Saquon plays healthy all year, they could scheme their way into having a top five run offense, and that's how they get there. Yeah. Um, I, it's very possible. Nonetheless, moves will have to be made. Because as of right now, Kenny Galladay's just eating cap space like no other. The defense yeah, looks good. Massive disappointment. Yeah, I mean, even Kadarius Tony looks good, but there's question marks. I don't, I don't know what you do at this point. I think it also, what happens with Daniel Jones comes down to what the market looks like in the off season. Yeah, I mean, if somebody comes available, you know, I think they look for the upgrade, but. If the upgrade doesn't outright present itself, I think they'll probably just ride with ride with him for another year, which is nuts. But I think you try to get Saquon on a value deal, and then you tag Daniel Jones just to see what you got for another year, and maybe yeah. you bring somebody in in the draft or something. You've got. I think if nothing else, the Giants can't do what they've done for the last three to four years because they did it under Dave Gettleman and they did it last year as well. Not as much last year. The issue was that the, the things that they did didn't pan out. Yeah. And they they have to do what they haven't done the last four years, and that's be active and free. Be active in the offseason. Dave Gettleman was like, all right, well, well we won three games. And I'm like, all right, so what are we going to do this offseason? Like, meh. New offseason regime. Like, just get them to work out more, I guess. I don't really feel like spending any money or, like, adding to this team at all. And then, the, you know, they fire Gettleman. They bring a new guy, and they're like, I'm going to give Kenny Galladay 72 over four. And you're like, oh, well. In honestly, yeah. in theory, I don't really think it was that bad of a contract. You get a big body, safe handed receiver to go over the middle for Daniel Jones, kind of a safety blanket guy. I he's don't really think it was a bad deal. There, though. Like he's been so disappointing. So oh yeah, he's been absolutely god awful. But I, I can't sit here and blame the signing because I'm like, I'm probably a little bit too much money for a safety blanket guy. But the fit, I think, was there. I, I don't, I, I didn't really turn my nose up at that signing. You ready for this? Mm. I give you one wide receiver on their current contract. Who are you taking? Kenny Galladay or Christian Kirk? Christian Kirk. All day. Not right? a doubt in my mind about it. Yeah. That's, At least Christian Kirk has caught a touchdown on his current team. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Galladay has played like 16, 17, maybe even 19 games in a Giants jersey and does not have a touchdown. I think Christian Kirk had two this week. So, All right. We went down that rabbit hole further than I wanted, but – I just wanted to hear your thoughts out on that one. Yeah. Uh, I thought that's, I think it's an interesting conversation to have of like, you know, what do we do here? But Honestly, it's kind of a nightmare scenario. If you're a Giants fan, <laughs> yeah, it's being I want to miss the playoffs this year. If I'm the Giants. It's so weird to say that, but you want to be bad. Cause you want to be able to go out and end the Daniel Jones experiment. Yeah. Please God. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. If I'm a Giants fan. So, all right. Next one I got for you. The Bengals are in real trouble at Owen two. <sighs> It's tough. Um, man, I, I'm i going to pump the brakes here. Um, okay. As much as I'm loving every second of this, of the two weeks that I've watched so far. And, you know, 
you don't want to overreact to the first two weeks. We say it all the time. We're not going to sit here and play reactionary reporters to everything that's happened. The bottom line is that the Bengals have played Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush, and they're 0-2 by a combined six points. So not only have you lost to bad quarterbacks and kind of bad football teams, you've lost in close fashion. Joe Burrow is currently on pace to be sacked like 101 times this year, which is obviously not going to happen yeah. because he'll be, he'll get hurt before he gets sacked a hundred times in a year. hundred percent. And I think a lot of people are drawing it. They're like, the offensive line just hasn't been good. They spent a lot of money and it just hasn't been good, which is true to a certain extent. What I've seen is that the formula from last year isn't working. Somehow they spent money on the old line. And it's not the fact that it's gotten worse. It's the fact that the plays that they made last year aren't working. Joe Burrow kind of made, I wouldn't say like made his career or made a season, but like a lot of plays were dip, duck, dodge, and dive behind the line of scrimmage, find Jamar Chase on the busted play. He's trying to make those same hold the ball for 10 seconds, make two guys miss, make the throw downfield. And in theory, you know, if you get the ball off, it works beautifully, right? They got him a Super Bowl bid last year. The issue is it's not working right now. He's getting hit, and he's getting hit a lot. So, I don't know, man. They play the Jets this week, and and the Jets haven't looked terrible. They haven't yeah. looked great, but they haven't looked awful either. I yeah, the agree. Jets haven't looked terrible. The defenses looked pretty solid. I mean, they didn't look great against the Ravens, but they just had a comeback win against the Browns. And, you know, Joe Flacco looked really good <laughs> against the Browns. And he's playing another old division rival here in the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm not going to panic yet because I do think this team will turn it around. I expected a step back from the Bengals. I didn't expect this. So I can't sit here and panic yet. But I'll tell you that they play the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. And none of those teams have looked – and the Saints. None of those teams have looked like pushovers in the first two weeks at all. So if they don't come out of this thing at least 3-3, and I think I'll start to panic. If they lose two of the next three games against the Jets, Dolphins, and Ravens, I'll start to panic a little bit. Yeah, it's they're they're teetering on it, right? Like I hate to do panic meters because everyone does it, right? Like it's the most cheesy thing in the world that mm-hmm. everybody does. And but... it's also and again, it's exactly what we don't want to do. Which what yeah. is a panic meter, especially in week two? It's a reactionary. Hey man, um, this team looks really bad despite the fact that they haven't really played together in six months. Like okay, yeah. well, how about you fucking give them? three weeks before we start panicking but the signs haven't been great for cincinnati at all yeah it's it's scary because those are two games you're right that they should have come out and won and this division's tough so it's not like you're going to get a lot of free games in division especially when you have to face cleveland later in the season when they're going to have Deshaun Watson going and things like that. This is this team stands out to me that they're struggling. I thought they'd take a step back. I didn't think it would be this bad. It's kind of a collapse at this point. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? So yeah, when when you look at the Steelers, you're like, that shouldn't be a game we lose. When you look at the Cowboys, you're like, okay, it's a 50 50 toss up game. When you look at the Cowboys without Dak Prescott, it's not a game you should lose right now. They have two gimme games that they've lost. Yeah. And now they play the Jets. And honestly, as, as as decent as the Jets have looked, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, or Mike White, doesn't matter. It's more of a gimme game than it's not. So 
I, I they've they've got to they've got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out quick because if they don't figure it out in the next two weeks, they play Baltimore and they play the Saints, which are two well coached defenses and two talented defenses, and it's not going to get any easier those two weeks. At, at this point, they could start four and zero, and it wouldn't be crazy to me. Like it no. wouldn't be something that I'd be blown away by the fact they're four and zero. No, no, no. Especially given the circumstances of where the Cowboys and the Steelers are at, quarterback wise. In the yeah, Jets, for that matter. Yeah, that matter too. Yeah, they don't have their guy either, in right now either. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how kind of this all plays out. Um, next one I got for you is the Cowboys season not over yet. Yeah, I don't know, man. Every every Cowboys fan I talk to, I mean the one I talked to, like when Dak went down, they're like, "Season's over, just tank." You know, it's all over. You know what I mean? It's it's done. And I mean, they won. Like, I don't know if I'd call it a good win, but it, it's a win nonetheless. And they got the Giants next week, which is going to be tough. The Commanders, so two division games. I mean, if they come out of this thing three and one or two and two, I mean, it's hard to say it's over for them. I really think there's a chance they could come back and still make the playoffs. It's all about momentum with the Giants, in my opinion. Like, or not the Giants, the Cowboys. Like, Three and one, even like the issue that I see is this is a team that loses back to back games and then they decide themselves that their season's over. We don't have to talk about it. Stephen A doesn't have to talk about it. Like the Cowboys, and I think they've got a back to back loss sitting, if not a three week stretch of losses with the Rams, two road games against the Rams and the Eagles, and then they play the Lions. And it's like, those are, I mean, it's, it feels like if they don't come out of this three and one, then drop two, if not all three of those games, then they're like, all right, pack it in. Who cares? Like the fans gave up after Dak went down and it feels like the team gives up after a two game skid, whether that's to the giants, the commanders, whether it's to the Rams, the Eagles, whether it's to the Lions and the bears, it just feels like this team on the inside is ready to give up at the soonest, like this, the Bengals game is like, all right, it's just like the headline. It's like they still have hope. They have yeah. hope until they till they hit the skid. When they hit the skid, I think they'll give up. It, 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 it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all ends up playing out for them. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about this one earlier, but the Raiders might be the most overrated team this season. Um, I feel like I'm pumping the brakes a lot today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. Um. It's week two, man. It's okay to pump the brakes. Like yeah, this is we're, this is the most. Prime these are a lot of reactionary headlines, which I'm okay. I'm okay with pumping the brakes six times here if I need to. Um, so, so what is what is the exact question? Because you said it differently than it's worded here that I'm reading. Worded, yeah, I do that all the time because my brain just thinks differently when I try you to. You tell write me stuff. exactly what the question is, and I'll answer. So the question is: the Raiders might be the most overrated team coming into this season. Right, so a lot of teams thought, "Hey, they might win the West. They, they're a playoff team for sure. They're going to be this and that." Like, and, and they might not make the playoffs at this point. Like, it's been pretty bad. It's pretty doom and gloom. Overrated by our standards, or by like, if you were to take a poll of how everyone feels about a certain team by their standards. Uh, I think our standards were pretty close to the general populace. I think we both had them making the playoffs. 
The, yeah. the the question is: Is there a team that was more overrated than them at this point? And then them, yes, because they have been overrated at this point, right? We just talked. Yeah. We just dissected the game. We dissected the Chargers game last week. Dissected the Cardinals game this week. They haven't looked great, right? Um, I think for the general public, I think right now the most overrated team would be the Denver Broncos. Should have been an easy two and zero. And not only are they only one and one, it's been an ugly one and one. Russell Wilson has not looked great. The offense hasn't looked special. The defense hasn't looked great. So the Broncos would kind of be the team that I would lean towards for the public. But yeah, this team has definitely been overrated and disappointing so far, but it's been two weeks. I see the point of your question now, because neither one of us really liked the Broncos that much coming into the season. Yeah. So we, I think we both had them. Where it's like, I think Colin Coward had him winning the West. Yeah, we both had him in fourth. Yeah. We were like, I don't, I don't like a lot of aspects of this team. So, okay. I see what you're saying. So yeah, I guess to our standards then, like, would to you our say standards? I'd say yes, probably. Okay. I don't think I, I was looking at our playoff predictor thing earlier, or at least I was looking at mine and I don't see a spot or like a team where I feel like I overrated more. Mm-hmm. Um, I had them at 10 and seven, maybe the Colts, I guess would probably, probably yeah, be the team that comes to mind. We both had the Colts only winning like nine games, right? Nine or ten. I, games. Yeah, I had them nine, seven, and one. Yeah, which is crazy that I actually called. Wait a second. Is that right? Did you call that? I don't think you called that. But that's not. Maybe. Yeah, there's no way. Because it also I also had the Texans four, twelve, and one too, which is the exact team that they tied to. Kind of fishy. I wonder if it fills it out as it goes. Maybe. Yeah. I wonder if this is like, it's not mine. This is some, like, this is Somebody just what is... they think. Yeah. I'm not logged in. It's definitely not mine. Maybe. Okay. There we go. That, that'll answer that question. Yeah. But... yeah let's get back over there now. 15. Uh, it's, it's the same. So not, uh, not sure what's going on here, but nonetheless, we had them. I had them as the division champs that are 0 and 2 or they're 0 1 and 1 against two bad teams. So, the Colts are definitely up for that overrated title, but yeah, the Raiders have been massively disappointing. Yeah. And I think, actually, I'd say the, Ra- the the Raiders have been more overrated because the things that we thought they'd get better at haven't shown up. Daniel Jones hasn't showed up, and Devontae Adams disappeared in week two. And those yeah. are the two things that are not only – those the th- that was like, all right, we got these two guys. They take us to the next level, right? We go from playoff contenders to Super Bowl contenders. And yeah. – one week, worked. Devontae Adams didn't show up, and both weeks, the pass rush hasn't showed up. So, All right, next one I got for you. Kyler Murray for MVP this season. I, I'm going to pump the bricks again. Um, and it's not so much to anything to do with Kyler Murray. I think guys have just played better. Josh Allen's had a phenomenal two weeks. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has looked insanely good two weeks. Lamar Jackson has looked really good for two weeks. His MVP odds have gotten better. Should have taken the bet when I thought of it the first time. I think he's up to like fifteen or fourteen hundred now. And when I when I talked about it, he was at two thousand. Um, but he's he's playing. I can't say better than I thought because we all know how good he is, right? We talked about it. Like this kid is yeah. talented. It doesn't take watching a lot of Kyler Murray to be like, man, this guy does some things to the football that just not only can only a couple guys do no one can do what Kyler Murray does with the football to a certain extent. Right. But it's all comes to a mental thing. And there was a, there was a TikTok I saw last week and it was, uh, I think it was actually coach Jason Brown, the guy that uh, coached independence when they're on last chance, you big personality guy. 
And they're like, this is why the film study stuff was in his contract. Because he's like, I'm sitting here. I didn't play in this game. He's like, I haven't played on a field in 20 years. He's like, obviously, I've been around coaching. He's like, I can look at this defensive setup right now and tell you that this outside linebacker is going to scream in and absolutely murder Kyler Murray if he does not audible his tight end into picking up that extra blitzer because of just the way the defense was set up. Sure enough, right off the edge, untouched. Murray gets absolutely obliterated, couldn't get away from the sack. And you're just like, it's things like that. That's why the, the Call of Duty contract clause and the, the film study contract clause is all in there because Kyler Murray is probably just about as talented physically as any quarterback is in the league at this point when you take everything yeah. into account. But the mental things are what holds him back. And... I don't want to sit here and be the guy that's like, well, Call of Duty hasn't came out yet, so I guess we'll see. But honestly, it's it kind came of the out truth. Weekend, didn't it? I don't think Modern Warfare 2 is out yet. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Maybe it was a preview weekend or something. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I think the it, so. they did the, like the beta week of the big like event in uh okay in LA where all the content creators got to go out there. It comes out November 10th. Oh, that's the original Modern Warfare 2. Nice. 2023 came out six years ago, eight years ago, whatever it is. Yeah, right. Like, oh, this game's been out since 2009. Actually, I don't know why we're talking about Kyle Murray here. Um, they actually don't even have a release date out for it yet, which is kind of crazy. Interesting. October 28th actually is now. Okay, make up your mind. Part of the reason I put this in here was just like I think he's getting slept on slightly of like, you know, how good people want to say he is. Yeah, because because the mental thing is the easiest thing to control, in my opinion. Like, how like how do you win football? Like, Tom Brady's made a career. Tom Brady has never been in his career ever been the most athletically gifted player, let alone quarterback on a football field. I think right. there's always been a guy that's been more gifted than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has made a twenty year career and the best quarterback of all time because. He knows the game better than anybody else because little Tim job. Bob says, Oh, Tom Brady throws a little bit of check downs. Hey, guess what, man? It's got him six fucking rings. Who cares? I like seven, seven rings. It's check downs or not, man. Sometimes the game of football is taking what's in front of you. And if you can't take what's in front, that's why Joe Burrow's struggling because he refuses to take what's in front of him. He wants the guy that's 60 yards down the field and he's getting sacked. When it, when it works, it works, right? Yeah, just, exactly. And it worked last year. It's not right now. Tom Brady just takes what works, and that's why he's got seven rings to show for it. And that's the issue with Kyler Murray is if he takes what's there, if he plays like Jalen Hurts did on Monday Night Football, yeah, this guy's an MVP candidate, no doubt about it. Because he's more gifted than Jalen Hurts is. But Jalen Hurts is letting the game come to him right now. That's why he's had. That's why he's getting more talk, I think, at this point. Nice. All right, let's move on to our bets of the week. Oh yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna start out with some accountability, and then we'll jump into our bets for for next week. Um, first off, I want to say uh, if you have a problem with gambling, uh, contact the Problem Gambling Helpline at eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. Professionals are available twenty four hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler and their concerned others. Um, Again, what we're about to say, not gambling advice because we suck. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, some of us suck more than others, and uh, I would be on the more sucky side here. Uh, so far. I went, I went one and three. It's been um, a week. 
it's it's been a week. I took the Bucks and Saints over at 40, 44 and a half. Uh, that game caught fire in the fourth quarter. I was kind of thinking it was going to be hot the whole game. Uh, it didn't quite happen. Uh, Giants minus two and a half. I still I still stand by that pick. I thought the Giants were going to win that game. I thought about. I mean, the reason you take Giants two and a half is because you it's think safer. Just gonna, it's safer. They're going to win that game, right? Um, the money line would have been the safe bet, but I thought they're going to clean their clock. The Panthers have been nothing but disappointing. Um, I thought the Seahawks nine and a half versus the 49ers. I thought that was a great bet. Uh, I thought it was too. That was one that I agreed with you on. I think the thing that screwed me is Jimmy G came into the game. Um, I think if Trey Lance plays that whole game, I think that game might be a little bit closer. I, I was more disappointed in Seattle's offense than anything else in that yeah. game. So that was a tough one. And I took Rams and Falcons under at 47 and a half. I didn't think either offense was going to get going. And uh, boy, was I wrong there. So Yeah, that felt like a safe bet too, because I thought the Rams offense would get going, but it felt like a the Rams were kind of pissed the way week one went. The defense was going to go out and absolutely slam the door on an offense that really isn't known to be uber consistent and talented. And they didn't, they won the game, but they didn't do it the way that we thought it was going to do. So, yeah. Um, I had Seahawks and San Fran under 42 and a half, which hit um, those divisional games just get chippy. I think, I think betting a divisional game under is, is a pretty safe bet to yeah. be honest, more often than not. And also, especially in competitive divisions, I think, and when I, and competitive outside of the AFC West, I think AFC North and NFC West unders are probably a pretty good bet because they're always chippy. There's no such thing as a season sweep for any of those divisions, I think. Um, And the AFC West is the same way, but it's more because they're shootouts than defensive showdowns. Um. I had the Panthers money line over the Giants. Obviously, it didn't happen. The Giants ended up winning that game. The Panthers have disappointed through two weeks. Um, I had KC and the and the Chargers over 54 and a half. The line was high, but we expected a shootout, and we got one on Thursday Night Football in Arrowhead. And, uh, and my fourth one, more of a joke than anything, I had the Jags and the Colts tying in their game. Um. So, like, as much as it's, like, a joke pick, I definitely wouldn't have picked the Jags to beat that game. I definitely wouldn't have picked the Jags to, to skunk them 24 to nothing. So, that bet still would be a loss because if I were to bet on this game, I definitely would have bet with the Colts, and I, I would have lost anyways. So, I went 2-2. Two yeah. and two, Tim went 1-3. and three, And I think we're actually – I'm actually going to be able to put money on the games in week three here. So, I actually have to put my money where my mouth is here this week. So, I did a little bit more a little bit more research this week. I always – I've, I've... – I put money on all these games, so it was what it was. Biggest thing I'll say for you, I thought that KC Chargers game, I thought that was a bait line at 54 and a half. I was like, for for a Thursday night football game, it really was. Yeah, I thought it was a trap game. It was a trap game, and boy, boy, that went the other way. So I got lucky. uh, Let's let's dive into our picks for this week. Um, I really like Bucks and Packers under 41 and a half. Um, couple reasons here. I mean, we record this on, what's today, Tuesday? Tuesdays, um, yeah. obviously aren't going to hear this until Thursday. So if the lines change, you know, don't be surprised. Um, uh, and we use FanDuel Sportsbooks for all of our lines and numbers here. So um, if you see something different. But Bucks Packers under 41.5 feels like the right number for a couple of reasons. Todd Bowles has had his defense looking really good this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Packers offense has looked like it's going to struggle. So there's no shocker there. 
Um, and the Bucks wide receiver court is so hurt. They just signed Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley to the practice squad. And he'll um, probably be elevated for this game for sure. Yeah, he'll probably play in this game. I mean, Mike Evans is going to be suspended. Uh, Chris Godwin uh, isn't expected to play. So yeah, doubtful for this week. Doubtful. So I, I really I think this number is too high, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's going to be a battle of the running backs. And typically when that happens, you don't get a lot of high-flying games. I also think there's a good chance that the Bucks won this game like seventeen to three or seventeen to ten, some something weird like that. You know, yeah. Both offenses have struggled. Both defenses look solid. Yeah. As much as it feels about right, it feels a little low because at the end of the day, like you look at the two quarterbacks, you're like, man. I mean, all these both these guys throw three touchdowns, and this is sunk in the water pretty easily. Um, but it's you know it's a, I don't know, I don't know if it's one that I'd test, but it's not a terrible bet either. I, I like this one again, and, and this might be a sucker bet for me. Like it just feels too good to be true. So we'll see if that ends up hitting or not. What do you, what do you got? Oh, as I look at this first bet, I realized that I'm kind of an idiot, but I felt that way last week and I went two and two. So I guess I'm going to let this ride. Um, I have Vegas and the Titans under 46 and a half as my first bet. Um, I think the thing that scares me now is that Tennessee just had 41 get hung on them by Buffalo. And as much as the, the Raiders offense has looked underwhelming, they still have Devonte Adams. So this feels like another game that could be a, a 20 point blowout, which could hit the over. But I think this line's just too high, to be honest. Um, two offenses that have struggled. Malik Willis play. It's like Malik Willis may start this week. He came in last week or, you know, on Monday night against the Bills. Um, so he may be trotted out there for this game against Vegas, which I think it's either going to drastically hurt this line or it's going to slam it perfectly and the, the Tennessee offense is just going to get destroyed. Um, I think it, this is about are the does the Raiders offense come alive and absolutely destroy Tennessee like the Bills did on Monday night? Other than that, I feel like this bet is pretty safe along the way. So I thought about this game. I really did. And then I thought exactly that thought. I was like, man, the Raiders are going to be playing one of those games where it's like, man, we got to go out and prove that we got this and they're going to go and it's going to be nasty. Like it's going to, they're going to hammer it pretty hard. So I, I, I'm worried that Las Vegas might put the burners on and just blow, blow them out of the water here. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It definitely is a possibility. Um, next bet I took Cardinals plus four versus the Rams. Um, I I just thought this number was too high for what it was, to be honest with you. I, I, I was kind of shocked that that would ended up being the number for this. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is people might, and it's in Arizona too. I forgot to mention that. Um, so I like the home team getting points. That normally is a bet that I'll, I'll try to take, especially if a number of like plus four. I think this this game is going to be close. That's why I just like the points with the Cardinals here. Yeah, I mean it's the the Rams have not looked good. Yeah, offensively or defensively. I mean they're one and one. They got skunked by the Bills and they had to squeak out one against the Atlanta Falcons. So again, the thing that blows this up is if the Rams defense is like, all right, enough is enough. Right, we're Can we play, play like we're world champions? Can we play like we have a top five corner, a top five DT, and a top five linebacker? You know. Yeah. Um, other than that, this this bet feels like it feels too good to be true. To be honest. Um, 
I also like the the Cardinals defense a significantly portion like a lot better than I like the Falcons defense. So I just don't think yeah. thirty one points for the the Rams is gonna be sustainable, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Um I have the Bills minus five and a half versus the Dolphins. Um this more comes down to the Bills defense is better than Baltimore's is. Um I think even when healthy, you could make the argument that they're better than uh yeah, than Baltimore's defenses and their offense has been absolutely on fire. And I mean, if Lamar Jackson's going to throw for 303 touchdowns on you, I don't want to know what Josh Allen's Stephon Diggs is about to do to you guys. Um, it's a noon game. It's in Miami. I mean, the, the bills have put up 31 and 41 points in back-to-back weeks and have allowed 17 in combined weeks along the way. Um, So, it's just it it feels like a game where I think the Dolphins probably score twenty one, but I think the Bills are probably gonna put up another thirty five at least. I the reason I didn't touch this game is I'm so unsure of what the Dolphins are. Like, I don't think they're legit necessarily. Like I'm leaning towards the fact that they're kinda like posing a little bit right now. They're playing better than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes that false confidence can carry over into big games, and this somehow can end up being close. Like, I just don't know enough to, like, confidently say I'll take the Bills and, and eat those points. Fair. And it's a division game. It is. usually closer than most. And this is this is a one that means a lot for both these teams. So. Yeah. Um, my next bet is Chiefs minus 6.5 versus the Colts. I, I again, I'm not sure if like I'm just taking all the bait lines here, but this line feels incredibly good. Um, it's in Indy, but I still I don't like any parts of the Colts. I mean, the Colts' offense looked terrible. Chiefs' defense has played pretty well this year so far. Yeah. Uh, so if they keep that up, like I think the Colts could really, really struggle in this game. Might be a, a runaway pretty fast. Yeah, I think it it all comes down to Indy's play calling in this game because yeah. again, nine carries for Jonathan Taylor just isn't going to cut it. You can't yeah. abandon the run game that fast. Um, for me, I have the Jets plus four and a half versus the Bengals. Again, feels kind of like bait. The Bengals aren't playing great. The Jets are coming off a comeback win. Joe Flacco isn't great in his career, honestly, against the Bengals. I think he's eight, nine career record against the Bengals. And a lot of those wins came early on when the Bengals were just kind of really bad. Um but I don't know. This just feels like, you know, the, the Jets kind of have a little bit of momentum rolling. The Bengals are, are kind of struggling a bit here and there. And I mean, the Jets pass rush hasn't been like I, they've been good. They, they haven't been slacking off like Carl Lawson. These guys are getting after the quarterback pretty well. That's what the Bengals have kind of struggled with so far is taking too much time in the pocket. The Jets, the Jets defense has looked good. That's why this game is kind of here. And and I I like the spread. I don't think you know this game. This would be crazy to be a game that's won by a field goal. Yeah, this this felt like a bait to me. That's why I didn't touch this game. Mm. I was like, if the Jets were getting seven, I think you take it. But like four and a half, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like enough. You know what I mean? Like I that's I can't fair. tell. Like the Jets could come out and win this game. Like that wouldn't be insane. Like we said earlier, but. I don't know if four and a half points is enough for me to feel super confident in it, you know? So, mm. um, my next pick is giants minus two and a half, man. I'm going to ride the giants until, until they do me wrong. So You're going uh, back to the well again on two and a half for the giants. Huh? I, 
It's two and a half on the Giants, man. If, if, if Vegas wants to give me that number, I'm, I'm going to take it right now. I like this matchup. Um, the Giants are playing – the Cowboys played okay. I think I think the Bengals stunk more than the Cowboys were good. Mm-hmm. And so I just think this matchup doesn't play in their favor. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know what I'm doing here with this last pick, to be 100% honest with you. Um, I think I'm going to take Texans money line over the Bears. Um, I tr- I'm trying not to go just a ton of money lines because, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot, right, to hit. Yeah. Um, feels like kind of a cheap move. If I'm going to take a money line, I want it, the team – I want it to be kind of more of an upset. And right now the, the Bears are favored to win this game. And um, I feel like the Texans – aren't a terrible team i feel like they're still a team that's trying to completely figure out what their identity is and and under new coach lovey smith so it feels it's not a great bet i'm not super confident about it but it was the money line pick of the week for me where i feel like a lot of the games are kind of open and closed money line wise this week yeah um or just too risky to to bet on i'll say i don't hate a money line you know if you're gonna throw three money lines in there like come on like that's no fun but yeah I think a, I think a money line. I don't hate that. Like that doesn't bug me any. I'm zero and one on money line so far with the Panthers over the Giants last week. So we'll see how this one goes. The other yeah. one I had down that I was considering was the Giants and the Cowboys over thirty nine and a half. Honestly, I kind of want to just bet the under on that one now. I'm not gonna. That's not gonna be an official pick. It feels like a massive trap. But primetime football, the Giants are playing good, but it's like how good versus a, a, a decently talented Cowboys team. And then defensively talented Cowboys team. And then Dallas is Cooper Rush. It's like, man, I don't know. 39 and a half feels low, but primetime division game. Yeah. Daniel it feels Jones, like they could go under. He does not have a good history playing on Monday Night Football. That was the game where he got tripped up. So, um, yeah. I mean, under, but also, Kadarius Tony's one good game of his career was Dallas in primetime. I think it's the Thursday night game, but like 189 yards that game. You never know. It could peak up at any point. So, yeah, so that's that's my trap game of the week right there. It is. It feels is, like is t- stay away from Dallas Giants on Monday Night Football. Just don't touch it. Yeah, just don't touch it. We both touched it, but don't touch it. <laughs> All righty. Let's jump into our preview games for week three here. Um, starting out with a fairly obvious one. Uh, Bills versus Dolphins. Uh, we talked about this game a little bit already. I think for this game, I think the Bills, if they win, it solidifies, hey, we're the best team in the division. I think if the Dolphins win, it might solidify for a lot of people, hey, we're a legit contender this year. So yeah. I think a lot riding on this game. Yeah, I don't think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. I don't think you have to go too much into detail to figure out where this game starts. Just the division game, um, again, the Bills – trying to prove their AFC East dominance. And to me, this game is more about the Bills' defense than anything. We know that Josh Allen's going to get up and down the field. We know Stephon Diggs is going to have his two receiving touchdowns. We know what this Bills' offense is going to do. The Bills' defense has been extremely good. They they held the Super Bowl champion Rams to seven points. They just got off holding uh, the Tennessee Titans. Granted, not a great – or they held the Rams to ten points. They held the Titans to seven. But they bottled Derrick Henry up. Um so they proved they could do both. They held Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford down in week one to 10 points. And uh, Derrick Henry wasn't even the leading rusher last week for the Tennessee Titans. He had 13 carries, 25 yards, and a touchdown. That's good for 1.9 yards carry. Hassan Haskins, the rookie out of Michigan, was actually their leading rusher last, last week. So they they proved that they could do both. 
Um, and so this week, I think they're looking to go out there, play the scheme, and just try to lock down these Dolphins receivers. I think it's going to be a great game. Both teams have a lot to play for. Yeah, I agree. I think this game is going to be for for early in the season. This game is going to mean a lot for for both these teams. So I'm excited. Um, next game we got on the docket is Jags versus Chargers. Um, it, it's a very similar situation. It's slightly different. Like the Jags are trying to prove, hey, we're a legit team coming into this. I think the best outcome. I think a great outcome for the Jags is it's close, and I think the Chargers really want to bounce back after that loss to the Chiefs. So I think both teams have a lot at stake here. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the Chargers are trying to rebound from a, a rough Thursday night in Arrowhead. The Jags are trying to prove that a 24-0 skunk of what should be a, a division champ in the Colts wasn't you know, a fluke game. The Jags want to win this football game, man. And I think that they're extremely motivated to go out and do so. But also, I think they're going to run into a, an angry Chargers team that feels like they should have won on Thursday Night Football in a hostile environment in Arrowhead. So it's going to be a battle of attrition. I think whoever wins the line of scrimmage is going to be the, the team that wins this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It should be a, a – it's either going to be an extremely good game or it's going to be a blowout. But we've seen we've seen the Chargers offense get shut down before, right? Like I know this this offense hasn't the only real addition in the offseason that they had was Gerald Everett at tight end. And last year they still had James, um Jared Cook, not a slouch at all at tight end, right? We saw them yeah. go into Baltimore in week three and put up two field goals. They couldn't get in the end zone. And I get that the Baltimore defense is a is a far cry away from what the Jags defense is right now, but the Jags defense is playing extremely well, right? They have all the confidence in the world. So it, it's, a, it's a game that could could be a blowout. It could be a close one. I think it's it's going to be an interesting one to watch nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, next one we got is Packers versus Bucks. Um, you know, Packers coming off a solid win against Chicago, I guess is what I would call it. Um, Bucks coming off a, a, a very unimpressive win against the, the Saints. So they, they haven't been impressive against the Saints since Tom Brady got to town. So Yeah. I think there's a lot of questions for both these teams, and I think this is a good game for one of them to come out and make a statement when early in the season. Yeah, I would um uh, uh, this is the the battle of the sluggish offenses. The, yeah. the battle of the who is my number one wide receiver. Um, it's it's going to come down, I think, to, to the defense. Who's going who's gonna to get the turnover? Who's going to score outside of offense? That's yeah. who's going to get the kick return slash punt return for a touchdown. Who's going to get the pick six scoop and score? Where, where are the points going to come from outside of the offense? And um, I think I kind of like the Packers a little bit more in this game. I just I feel like their problems have been more self inflicted, which I think are easier to fix, right? Like Tom Brady can't wave a magic wand and have Chris Godwin healthy and unsuspend Mike Evans, right? But not that Aaron Rodgers can wave a wand and have his receivers catch a catch a damn deep ball for once, but it feels it's a more likely scenario, right? So it's going to be a damn good game, though. I mean, you have two of the best quarterbacks in the game going at it without their top weapons. So we'll see what happens. This one, I want to put a caveat. Like, I think this game matters. I don't know if it's a great matchup necessarily. Cowboys versus Giants. Um, Giants are playing to move to 3-0 in the season, and the Cowboys are playing to hold on, right? Trying to stay alive. 
trying to stay alive here. So this game has some hidden importance to it. Like the Giants win, man, like they're that much closer to maybe making the playoffs. I know it's super early in the season to be calling shots like that, but like this is the kind of game where if they miss the playoffs, they go, man, if we'd have won that, maybe that's the one that puts us over that hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cowboys could feel the same way of like, hey, maybe if we won that and we were in a better position when Dak came back, maybe we're not. And then, you know, maybe the season doesn't end the way so poorly. So I think this game is like a sneaky, maybe a sneaky, important game. Yeah, it, I would agree 100%, right? Like, I mean, the Giants, I, yeah, I don't think you could say it any better. Like, this is a, it's a, it's an eight win Giants team. It's like, man, if we could just beat Cooper Rush in week three, we would, we'd be the seven seed right now, you know, yeah. which again, I don't think Giants fan wants it all, but you know, um, the Cowboys are trying to not only build confidence, but not lose confidence if nothing else. Right. You're coming off a roller coaster win over the AFC champion buff or uh, the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And you've got a division rival in house or you're going to, to New York to play the Giants. You've got another division game next week. You know, you're trying to build something going into the Rams Eagles line stretch. So both of these teams do have a lot to play for. I think, I think you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head and I think going to be the, the battle of less mistakes. Can Daniel Jones not turn the ball over? Can Cooper rush play a clean game? That's what's going to come down to on, uh, on Monday night. Yeah, I think it's uh it, it might be one of those sneaky good games. So, that's uh that's all I got. You got anything else? Not at all. I think it's a it's a pretty solid wrap. Run through our 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 games there. Um, that was a very exciting week two of football. Um, it was. It was a great week. I think the primetime matchups have been extremely good, but somehow not at the same time. Yeah. Now again, here we go. Um. What's the two primetime matchups this week? Are Mitchell Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett versus is that is that Thursday night football? Am I, am I, I, believe, I believe so. Here, let me look. It is Pittsburgh versus Cleveland on Thursday night football. Uh, Sunday night football is San Francisco and Denver, and then Monday night is Dallas, New York. Yeah. So, so like we went from from like Stafford and and Josh Allen to start the year, and then we went to. Herbert and Mahomes, and now we're going to Brissett and Trubisky, and then Monday night is Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones. So, yeah. but at the same time, even the I mean the the, the Bills Rams game was a blowout. The the Eagles Vikings game was a blowout. The Tennessee Titans and Bills game was a blowout. So like, who knows? I mean, I remember three four years ago when I was heavily criticizing Thursday night football, and then a, a talentless Rams team with Jared Goff at the helm had a barn burner, like 38, 35 win over like the Titans before Derrick Henry became the best running back in the league. And you're like, what the, how is that the most entertaining game of the week? I was just sitting here talking about these two, one and three teams being absolutely horrible. And somehow that's the game that I, that that I latched onto the most. So who knows, man, we'll see. Maybe the, maybe the bad quarterback matchups lead to the more interesting games going into these postseasons or the, the primetime spots, but I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. You never know. So, yeah, that's going to put a wrap on it for episode five for us. Uh, we're heading in to week three of the NFL season, and I couldn't be more excited to be back. 
We'll see how our bets goes. First week where I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I am two and two without putting money down. We'll see where I land with money down. Tim tries to rebound from a, a rough one and three start, but I think he's got some bets to do so. A rough, a rough start. Hopefully, hopefully we have some recovery in me though. Yeah. Some fight left, you know? Yeah, we're gonna get after it. So nonetheless, episode five. We'll see you guys next week for episode six. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you next week.